This is Channel 253. In this episode of Crossing Division. Early childhood in particular in Pierce County is something that we can we can have a heavy influence over and that will influence how kids are you know develop into their later years and into adults. That to me is one of the best investments we can make. It's where the biggest need is. Uh, way too many children in Pierce County are born into poverty and have, you know, backpacks full of trauma and needs when they come into the classroom. Uh, that they have to unload before they can, they're ready to learn. That's not fair. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Hi, this is Evelyn Lopez. Today on Crossing Division, I am delighted to have Derek Young, Pierce County Council Member, with us to talk about any number of issues going on in the county and also maybe give us some idea of what we can expect from the County Council next year, given that they have several new members and uh, maybe seeing a change in political orientation. So welcome, Derek. Thank you for doing this. Thanks again for having me. Appreciate it. Sure. So I'd like to start out, uh, you know, I actually got in touch with you a couple of weeks ago because you were um, posting out some information about a youth employment and training program that you had been involved in getting set up. And I thought, well, that is very interesting. So let's start with that. Tell me what the program is and where it's at and uh, what it does and all of those things. Sure. So uh, I will tell you, this is one of those things where I, it's an idea I wish I had earlier, uh, but, uh, you know, better late than never. Um, and really what what occurred to me as we were beginning to see the fall shape up in terms of uh, disruptions with university plans, um, you know, schools, but also really kind of first jobs. Uh, those were young people were the largest segment of folks that were out of work and disconnected from that labor market um, uh, out of everyone that was thrown um, onto unemployment in the beginning. And there's a lot of analysis that shows that in that early uh, adulthood to late teenage years, disconnection from education and school is one of the, basically the earliest signs of trouble further down in life. It's very difficult to recover from those early years. And of course it impacts, uh, you know, populations that come from families who are struggling, uh, minority communities, uh, much more disproportionately. So um, it occurred to me that one of the things we could do is, you know, help out uh, organizations that were struggling uh, because they lost revenue. Uh, and so they were, you know, having a layoff workforce and also connect young people with jobs and uh, skill development in a way that would be beneficial for everyone, uh, kind of kill two birds with one stone. And what occurred to me uh, was that in the uh, Great Depression, one of the um, New Deal programs that I'm still fond of and uh, and you know, it still exists in, in a smaller form in Washington is the uh, Civilian Conservation Corps. Because what I was thinking is, you know, what are some jobs that that young people can do that always seem to go uh, unfilled, but also in a pandemic where you can work outside uh, safely? And I was thinking about a lot of these conservation projects that often are never get done just for lack of, you know, financial uh, support and labor. So initially that was my uh, kind of thinking is what if we start hiring folks for, you know, the conservation district for park departments, uh, you know, uh, any kind of uh, 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 wetlands, you know, uh, reclamation type work. Um, And then it expanded from there. Uh, And really what we found was there was uh, not as much demand there as I was hoping, or at least they couldn't stand it up as quickly. But there were a lot of uh, there was a lot of interest from nonprofits and businesses, uh, and so we partnered with Workforce Central and Goodwill. Uh, Workforce Central being kind of the, the main contractor, and then Goodwill had access to young people that they were teaching these pre skills, pre employment skills, and they started putting that together. It got going a little late, uh, so honestly, we're really just going to have this for a couple months at the end of the year. My hope was that we would get either get an extension of the CARES Act or another bill uh, from Congress and that we'd be able to fund it um, kind of into the new year. That's a little bit in doubt, um, you know, right now based on the election results, but um, 
you know, I still hope it's something that we can continue. You'll find these kind of youth uh, job core type uh, uh, programs in other p- urban parts of the country. Uh, the city of New York uh, has one. I know uh, uh, King County has one. Weirdly, it's connected to their port uh, uh, authority. Kind of interesting. Um, and then down in L.A. County. So learning a little bit from my peers, but also getting back to that, you know, new deal how do we get people back to work in an environment where there's not enough demand for uh, jobs? Mm-hmm. Can you work around? So uh, one of the things we're talking about, and I, and I talked about a little bit um, last time when I talked with Marty Campbell was the CARES Act funding that has come to the County for, you know, sort of COVID related, whatever, uh, cause I think it's pretty open-ended is supposed to be spent by December 31st, by the end of the year. Can you spend it by making grants? I mean, could you give a grant? Could you give a million-dollar grant to workforce training to run this program, and then the and then the program would continue into 2021? Yeah, unfortunately, and one weird thing, it's actually December 30th rather than 31st. Oh, I don't know that's why. weird. Um, yeah, yeah. I, one of those things where I just thought, what? Why is that? Um, but the uh, so I don't think we can just make a grant to a um, you know, to an entity, it's that, that the money can be committed uh, for certain services, but it has to be committed uh, at that point. And then, so I don't think we're going to be able to do that. Uh, one thing we have been able to do, for example, is stockpile uh, PPE. Uh, we've been able to, uh, you know, make commitments on, you know, facilities that will will retain afterwards, uh, things mm-hmm. like that. But um but it doesn't look like we can actually keep a program running on costs that are born in the next year. It, they have to be costs that are committed this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so short so, answer being, I, I, it doesn't look like that's going to work out. Okay. Because, I mean, I would think that it is, I, I hope I'm not being, you know, too much of a Pollyanna and thinking this, but I would hope that at least by January, you know, assuming that our COVID situation remains much the way it is now, that we would see some additional federal money coming out to um, keep things going. But, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I really, I think that's a reasonably likely scenario, but um, you, you can't really count on it, I guess. I, uh, I, I wish I was that optimistic. Uh, I will, I will put it this way. Um, the Senate majority, which looks like it'll be the same Senate majority uh, next year, uh, has really made clear they aren't interested in additional aid to state and local governments. Um, and that that part hasn't gone well in in um, in negotiations. You know, we've been asking for this for many months now. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it, like I thought maybe there was a possibility of a deal before the election because there was some political um uh you know uh benefit potentially for them there i don't see that benefit increasing after the election um Mm -hmm. and going into next year in fact unfortunately um you know if they run the same playbook as uh you know 2009 um Mm -hmm. they have a they there's a perception that uh, majority leader mcconnell his interest will actually be in making things harder on the president and the house majority Mm -hmm. So they may have a, even more interest in blocking a new aid bill. I think that's terrible. Uh, you know, just to be clear, I you know, uh, blue states aren't the only ones hurting. Um, right. they, this is going to be catastrophic for a lot of states that they represent. And uh, and you know, Kentucky, as an example, um, you know, is in terrible shape. And uh, they are they are right now. I can tell you, my colleagues in those counties are are taking a hatchet to their budgets, um, but. Uh, that's the reality of the situation we're in. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Sorry to be um, the doom and gloom guy on that one, but uh, no, I would love I, to see a deal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's better better to do an honest assessment than than fool yourselves, I guess, or fool myself. Um, so for the program, then, sort of the modern uh, conservation core, um, where are things at now? And if people are interested in participating, how do they get information on it? I think there's still time to get signed up. Uh, if you search, I, I, I believe there's a, a website for it, Pierce County Job Corps. It might, okay. it might even be Youth Job Corps um, now that I'm thinking about it. The, um, I believe there is still time to get in uh, for the, at least the last month because I think they made minimum four-week uh, commitments. 
Um, right now, we have a total of 90 uh, young people that are in the pro in the program, and we were hoping for more. So uh, if there's opportunity there, uh, let's get people into it. Uh, but I, I think it's a great way. You know, one of the things I really wanted to accomplish here was not just get them, you know, employed, learning, have some job skills, and you know, get some education about the process, you know, building resumes, all that kind of thing, but also get some cash in their pocket because, yeah. you know, we know that a lot of these families that can make a big difference. And mm -hmm. so um, I'd love to make sure that they get as many of these, uh, you know, wages in their pocket as possible before things get ugly again. Mm -hmm. I hope so too. All right. Well, I'll, I'll find that um, website. We'll include it in the show notes for this uh, edition. And hopefully people may still be able to take advantage of it. So let's talk a little bit about some of the other things that the county is doing with the CARES Act money. Uh, when I talked with Marty, um, he seemed to feel that it was actually kind of a big challenge to get that money spent. He said it was about $160 million and um, it's not easy to just um, spend it given the parameters on it and the fact that it has to be spent by December 31st. So what kinds of things, and we talked about the restaurant rally, and I got to say, I don't know how the restaurant rally is doing. I'll, I think people are doing a good job of promoting it. Sue Kidd has done, you know, sort of heroic work trying to promote this. Um, but I think people are not really inclined to do a lot of eating out right now, especially with the caseloads going up. And I'm, I think that's a pretty wise uh, decision on most people's behalf. Um, so I don't know how much money that um, restaurant rally program is actually going to end up spending and getting back into the restaurant community. Uh, and I don't think that the county is going to really find out since it's a reimbursement program, you're not going to find out until like the end of November, how much money was actually used. And so then that leaves you with just a month to try to spend mm -hmm. everything else. So what kind of things are you looking at? Yeah. And to be clear, that's not the biggest chunk, you know, I mean, it, it's, I, we're pretty sure that'll spend down um, in that program, but it's, it's not the largest portion of that. I think there's a total commitment of like 7 million or something like that, um, mm -hmm. uh, which is a lot. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, but um, the, uh, you know, the, the bulk of it is going to uh, other business assistants. So either uh, uh, helping uh, pay uh, leases uh, or just direct uh, cash grants. Um, you know, as long as they can show a COVID-related loss, we can uh, we can do that. Um, the other is on the human services side. We've had uh, uh, you know a lot of programs for you know pushing rent and mortgage assistance, uh, food assistance, uh, mm -hmm. childcare. Uh, I mean, all the way down to the point where we we actually helped set up a, a diaper bank. Um, you know mm -hmm. to try to stabilize families that are struggling right now. I will tell you that it's the human services side where we're struggling most because, you know, one thing that people don't often realize is that that local provider of, of services that you think is like a charitable organization, and they are a charitable organization, they just assume that they're providing all that and Pierce County has no part in it. In fact, you know, we typically, uh, in fact, almost all of our human services are contracted uh, with those service providers. And so, uh, they have to have the capacity to push out, you know, you know these dollars. And mm -hmm. that's sometimes difficult for them because keep in mind, you know, while these dollars are fairly flexible, there's still some, you know, guidance that we have to follow in order to meet the federal rules. And so that has been a bottleneck there. Um, there's also been, uh, you know, some underspending on the public health side. And that's just frankly, because we didn't get it quite as bad until now. Uh, so, right. you know, we didn't scale up our contact tracing quite as quickly um, uh, as some other jurisdictions did. Uh, and, you know, frankly, there was also a period of time where, uh, you know, the executive's office, for whatever reason, wasn't uh, supporting the expenditure of some of those public health dollars. And I, I, that remains a mystery to me as why, but now they're going. It's just that they don't have, you know, the full big wave uh, amount of spending uh, but really, it's on that human services side that I'm worried we're not going to get all the cash out the door. Uh, we even looked at an idea that I had. So a little while ago, uh, we mm -hmm. for uh, to protect children that were um, uh, potentially subject to abuse and neglect, we started what's called uh, the Help Me Grow program. And it's really to uh, work with families that are, you know, new, uh, targeting specifically that zero to three age range. Um, 
and trying to reduce the amount of dependency cases that we had in, in Washington uh, by, you know, basically helping families. And uh, it's, it's a great deal. Uh, it kind of started right as COVID was starting. And then I started thinking, you know, this is working. We're getting all these folks enrolled. But we also have a population who we, who we can identify where we know that they have income loss from COVID. We know that, uh, you know, they're struggling, that they have children in the household. You know, why don't we just look at a cash distribution program for them? I thought that would be the most straightforward to get aid, um, you know, a little bit on the uh, heels of the Andrew Yang campaign, you know, yeah. some of this kind of income um, support model, you know, trusting folks to do what they think is best with, with money, which is actually that's borne out by the data is that, you know, uh, folks that are need money, it, it turns out giving them money actually helps out a significant amount. We also learned that with those $1,200 check distributions. Um, unfortunately, uh, it, it looked like it was just going to be too big of a, of a hill for us to climb, um, given the amount of, uh, you know, uh, administrative need there would be there. So uh, some of that's just, you know, that stranglehold, you know, uh, choke point on our system. Uh, mm -hmm. If we had more capacity, we could do more. Uh, so are we going to, you know, give back tens of millions? More than likely not. Will there be some leftover that we have to give back? Probably. Okay. And uh, can you flow money out like to, so I, just off the top, I was thinking like, can you give um, chunks of money out to fire districts to let them buy more PPE, first aid supplies, you know, that sort of takes some pressure off of their budget. Um, you know, there's all, I don't know what the record keeping requirements are, what needs to be reported back um, on it, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. The, the more cash you can float out, be it to businesses or individuals or organizations, the more quickly it will reap its, you know, beneficial rewards. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of the, the, like the cities and the, and the junior taxing districts, some of them had some small amounts of COVID related impacts, you know, either mm -hmm. that they had uh, uh, some equipment that they needed to buy, you know, different kinds of things like that. Um, Unfortunately, one stipulation in CARES Act is we can't use it for income loss. So like, you know, I'm on the Zoo Trek board and watching the damage to that budget uh, and Metro Parks in general uh, mm -hmm. is just extraordinary because so, so much of it's based off sales tax, which plummeted, uh, as well as, uh, you know, gate, any kind of attendance fee, you know, tickets, things like that. Um, it's, it's gotten much better. In the very beginning, we were very, very worried about the, the Zoo and Trek, but, um, but Things are improving. They're going to survive the winter and all that. Um, but yeah, we can't just give them money um, uh, based on income loss because that's not allowed um, under the under the CARES Act. But uh, schools have just enormous uh, needs, uh, and so what we figured out is we can push out more money to schools. So my first bill for them was like five million dollars to try to address some tech issues when we realized they were going more online. Uh, mm -hmm. At some point. Uh, you know, and frankly, I thought the five million was going to be the outer limits. What my colleagues let me do. Uh -huh. It turns out that the executive followed up behind and said, "How much more could you take?" And they said, "We could do another ten million. And so they Good. they pushed out a bunch more because the schools can justify it really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and that that seems that you know at least you know I we all know that that distance learning is not working great, um, but uh, you know it is what it is right now. Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, ideal world, I have to say, like a lot of people you know, say, why are bars open and schools are closed? Um, yeah. And that's a great question. The reality mm -hmm. of the situation is that if the federal government did the smart thing, like a lot of other countries, they would either give us the money or give it directly to these businesses and say, you're closing down for this period of time. And here's your income replacement for you and for your employees. That would have kept yes. everyone whole. It would have protected folks. And then we could open schools uh, because there'd be lower risk. Instead, we did the opposite. So my choice at the local level is, do I bankrupt these businesses that are employing primarily low-income workers, um, and especially in minority communities, uh, just doing, I, I can't even think about the economic devastation that that'll right. uh, incur. Uh, it's, it's hard to, to make that choice unless we absolutely have to. And unfortunately, we're getting to that point where it's looking pretty grim. Yeah, I I was talking with my husband Joe uh, earlier today, and he asked, "Do you think we're going to do a shutdown?" 
And I just said, you know, unless there's some kind of federal compensation coming, I just don't know how you do it. I mean, I don't know. Businesses haven't recovered from the first time. And mm-hmm. if you, there's every good reason to do so. But if you do it, um, they're not going to recover. I mean, a lot of businesses are going to go under. A lot of, even more people will be unemployed. And yet if you don't do it, how are we ever going to get on, on top of these transmissions? Because people are not, you know, they are not being as careful as, as we would like them to be. They're just, mm-hmm. you know, and what, what seems to be driving a lot of this that I, I don't think people understand is a lot of the spread is coming from inside households. Uh, so what's happening is you get like one person that's either going out to work or going out to have fun uh, mm-hmm. and then bringing it back to the household and infecting everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you crank up these numbers really fast. It's not just that yeah. one person that they're not just risking their own lives. Um, they're potentially everyone around them. And then everyone, those people come in contact with them yeah. and then off you go. Um, that's, that's the part that I don't think a lot of people understand because you'll hear a lot of, especially younger folks. Um, and I think some younger folks are starting to get the, you know, the picture is that, you know, we understand that you're not as at risk as folks that are, you know, maybe your parents' generation, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. you know, do you want to go see your parents? Um, this, this Thanksgiving, well, we're, we're kind of past the point where you already needed to be quarantining in order to do so. Um, so we're going to ask folks if you don't, already live in the same household, um, you know, please don't do that. Um, this is not the year to, um, you know, have what we all want to do and that's to gather, uh, for the holidays. Uh, but it's, it's not worth risking everyone's safety. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's an interesting thing. So I don't have, I don't know if you have Derek, anyone in your immediate, um, family or friend group who has, um, gotten this disease. I do not, um, you know, so I know of, relatives of friends, but I don't have anyone in my immediate um, circles who has it so far. Um, and I think that that's always difficult because then uh, then it's a little easier to sort of think, well, you know, I'm not sure that really applies to me. You know, I seem to be doing fine. My, uh, my practice has been fine. And so I'll see people on social media saying, Oh, absolutely. We shouldn't get together for Thanksgiving. I'm just having, you know, a few friends over in my, for my backyard and we're going to be socially distanced. And it's like, well, that's going to be a problem because, you know, you think you can do it. You think you can be socially distanced, but it's really, really hard when you're together with friends and family, even if you decide I'm not going to hug anyone or have kind of, you know, just even getting around the table to, serve your food it it's very difficult mm-hmm. to keep that kind of distance and i and i just think i don't know and then you add to that the many many people who are not convinced that it is as big a problem as it appears to be until it impacts them personally and i i just think we're going to look at a really bad fall and winter so you know a couple things really drive this and one of them is social expectations so if you look at a map of Pierce County and the infection rate, you'll notice that the west side of the county, for the most part, is doing better than the east side of the county. And one of the reasons for that is, is compliance with the rules. So if you're in an area that, uh, you know, I talked to somebody the other day that said they just went uh, for a family member's wedding down in Texas and like nobody was wearing a mask. And they said, you know, I didn't wear a mask because I didn't want to be the weirdo that was. Um, So if you're in an area where that's not the social expectation, you're more likely to fudge on it too. Whereas if you're in an area where there's a high social expectation that you're going to socially distance and wear a mask, people will mostly behave that way. And, and, you know, as I always put it, uh, one of the reasons that Washington overall has done well is that, you know, what's our reputation is that, you know, we're uh, for the most part uh, socially distanced in, in normal times. Um, and you know, we, uh, I joked early on that, uh, you you know, they, they said, you know, please don't talk on the buses. Uh, and I was like, (laughs) my two favorite things, transit and not talking to other people. Um, and then the second thing is, you know, really early on, I noticed that the, the mass compliance kind of took off. And I think that's because, uh, compared to other States, we're mostly rural followers here, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we, 
queue up in lines very, you know, amicably. Uh, you don't see a lot of outrageous behavior and, and social gatherings. It's just, that's sort of the way our culture is. So we've done relatively better. Whereas places where it's kind of like, you can't tell me what to do, you know, that's fine in normal times, but the virus doesn't care. <laughs> you know, it, it has uh, no qualms with whatever it thinks you think your rights are. Um, in fact, it, it feeds on us, our behavior that way. So I, it's it's a difficult thing, and I, we know that it's it's hard on everyone. Everyone's tired of this. Uh, the problem is, you know, if we did get any relief from uh, you know potential seasonality, uh, perhaps we're hitting the flip side of this right now, and that it is roaring back with a vengeance. Uh, it is clear that uh, you know things are getting out of control. So we really have to buckle down for a while here and uh, voluntarily, uh, you know even if the governor doesn't order it, and even if I can't get anything done locally, uh, we all need to start complying to save ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I keep thinking, you know, a, a really good um, propaganda campaign could be, I mean, uh, think of it this way. So if the only people who survive this unscathed are the rule following, probably more blue state members, then our impact in the future and our ability to be able to control elections and control the country goes up exponentially. So if that's something that you are worried about, <laughs> then you should try to, you know, survive this a little bit more to, to thwart us, you know, to own the, you really want to own the libs, wear a mask because otherwise <laughs> you're going to die. We're going to live. And then we get everything. Right. So, I mean, I think there's actually, yeah, I you could actually maybe try some messaging that, that could be more effective than the absolute silence we've had, you know, for the past uh, seven months. I, I kind of like that. Own the libs by wearing a mask. It, it's yeah. a, uh, uh, yeah, it, there's, I, in fact, I'm hoping with the election over, that's one thing that'll happen is that it depoliticizes this. That was one mm -hmm. of the unfortunate things about the timing of this is that, you know, I kept hearing from people that I know and respect that, they just assumed all of this was about, you know, Democrats trying to control things and that it would go away after uh, the election. And I kept trying to explain, like, I actually I think this is hurting us, to be honest with you. I don't know that this is potentially politically beneficial at all. Um, I, in fact, I think ultimately it may have hurt us. But uh, the but now that that's all gone, we can see that it's still a problem. Like, can we can we bring down the temperature on that political aspect and say, you know, this isn't about, um, you know, hurting one party or the other. Um, this is about, you know, saving lives and, you know, not just saving lives, but living isn't the only, you know, or dying isn't the only right. risk. The right. damage that this thing does is significant. There are permanent injuries and disabilities that can be sustained from this. Something like a third of the people that were uh, diagnosed are showing neurological problems. I mean, that's mm -hmm. an extraordinary number of people with some sort of neurological problem. And we don't know what the long-term ramifications are. People forget no. that viruses don't always show symptoms. That just because it doesn't show symptoms doesn't mean it's not doing damage. HIV doesn't have any symptoms of its own to speak of. It just starts, yeah. you know, killing your T cells. And the next thing you know, you're right. subject to lots of other diseases. HPV right. Right. mostly bears itself out in the cancer that it creates. You know, there's all sorts of like long term problems that viruses and especially a novel virus that we don't know that much about that are risks down the road. Um, you know, there's even diseases that, you know, years later uh, come back and attack your uh, nervous system and that's it. Uh, you know, so you may have clipped your decades off of your life um, all because you thought, well, I'm not going to show symptoms. I won't have the, the lung infection. Well, right. you know, that's great. But, man, I don't want to risk that. I don't either. And I, you know, we're staying in, we're staying in. It's easy for us. I'm like you, we don't really like to, I don't like to talk to strangers. I don't really like to hug people. So this is not a hardship <laughs> for me, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I will I've, admit, I've, election night was great because I, I, there's two things about politics. I don't like it's big election parties and hugging people. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so that part was beneficial to me. Yeah. So we, you know, Washingtonians who have the, you know, the Seattle freeze and the rest, um, we will be more likely to survive and then we will dominate the world. We will, um, you know, achieve world domination through our um, unwillingness to hug or engage in close social contact and everyone else will have to bow to our preferences. So 
you know, the long view is not bad for us, Derek. It's actually quite promising. <laughs> Just Rise Cascadia. Yeah, exactly. We'll take over. So let's take a break here. When we come back, let's talk about what you think might come in to play in Pierce County in 2021. Hi, I'm Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, We Art Tacoma. And I've been a member of TAPCO Credit Union since I was a kid, really. My parents set up a savings account for me, and I've had that account with them ever since. In fact, my first credit card wasn't from a big bank. It was from TAPCO, and I still have that, too. What I appreciate about TAPCO is they are intensely local. Just like Channel 253, TAPCO keeps its focus on Tacoma and Pierce County. They have easy-to-reach branches and ATMs in the Tacoma area, and when I don't want to drive, I just use their online or mobile banking. To this day, TAPCO helps parents teach kids good savings habits. The Moolah Kids Club teaches kids about savings, not only through interest on their money, but with special prizes and discounts at local attractions. So if you want to help your kids start a savings account the same way my parents did, check out our local credit union at tapcocu.org. My thanks to TAPCO for their support of this podcast and Channel 253. Okay, we're back with Derek Young. Uh, But before we get into talking about what might come up next year in 2021 for the Pierce County Council, uh, let me do a shout out for Channel 253. If you are a regular listener of our podcast and some of our Um, sibling podcasts on Channel 253, you know that we are funded mostly by our members. Uh, It is $40 a year or $4 a month gets you access to all of this interesting local content and some things that only members get like Doug's uh, podcast off the record. Um, So please consider joining Channel 253. Uh, So Derek, let me ask you, we had an election. You are going to have more Democrats on the county council than you've had in a number of years. How is that likely to change things? Yeah, so uh, basically we, we have the first Democratic majority uh, since I believe 2004 um, in Pierce County. So significant amount of time. In fact, you know, before I joined the council, it was actually a 5-2 Republican majority. Uh, so they had a supermajority, uh, veto-proof majority on the council. Um, so, you know, the thing about local government is that it's not quite as partisan as the state or federal level. Uh, so it's not as though uh, you can't get anything done from the minority. So, uh, you know, there will be things that, you know, both sides can collaborate on. And um, the way it really, I, I guess I would say it manifests itself is, what the priorities are of the council and the direction those issues will take. Uh, so like there's some stuff that we, we have to deal with and it's just a question of what will the outcome uh, look like? And so that'll give us a, a better chance to influence that. Um, the uh, in terms of the major issues of the day, uh, I think you'll see a lot more of an aggressive um, uh, legislative agenda in the start of the year. When I joined the council, I was kind of surprised to be honest with you, with how um, sort of slow things were. Um, and uh, that changed uh, you know, under uh, Chair Richardson's leadership. Uh, you know, he comes from city government like me. And so he had he was much more willing to uh, work on some things. But um, uh, yeah, I suspect, especially in response to the pandemic, the economic disruption, you know, the, you know, the justice reform efforts, you'll see a lot um, this year that uh, you know, frankly, I think it's been overdue. Uh, and then lastly, you know, I we're term limited to two terms. And so I'm in my last two years. So I've got a list of things that I want to get done before I uh, leave office. And uh, uh, so I'm very eager to, you know, not uh, sit back on our laurels and, and make sure that we get the work of the people done. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that are on your list of things you'd like to see done before you leave? Uh, well, this is, and I will say again, this has changed as the uh, you know, pandemic and uh, and economic disruption came about. Um, there are no. Uh, I think we need a uh, uh, a robust human services overhaul 
in Pierce County. And by that, I mean, don't mean that necessarily the things they're doing are wrong. It's that we're not doing nearly enough. And so whether it's housing and homelessness or, you know, services to our veteran community, uh, services to uh, seniors and, um, and children uh, in particular, uh, those are issues that I've been really focused on in the last couple of years and I think have only gotten more important. Uh, so one of the things that you haven't heard much about that I do plan on ruling out is an agenda for children. Um, early childhood in particular in Pierce County is something that we can, we can have a heavy influence over and that will influence how kids are, you know, develop into their later years and into adults. That to me is one of the best investments we can make. It's where the biggest need is. Uh, way too many children in Pierce County are born into poverty and have, you know, backpacks full of trauma and needs when they come into the classroom uh, that they have to unload before they can, they're ready to learn. That's not fair. Uh, and so that'll be something I really want to work on. Um, behavioral health has been a place that Pierce County has traditionally failed. I'm ho actually hoping the current council will, will pass the, the behavioral health tax once and for all. We're uh, the only urban county that hasn't passed it, the only Western Washington County that hasn't passed it. Uh, the only other remaining counties that haven't are like, you know, a population smaller than a small city. Um, so it wouldn't raise much money for them anyway. Uh, we're unique in this regard in a state that already doesn't invest enough in community-based behavioral health care. So, uh, if you look at the list, uh, you know, of where we're at compared to our peers, pretty much throughout the country, Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter who controls the, the county, we're way behind our peers, and it shows uh, in almost every metric. We have an extraordinarily high suicide rate, for example. Um, I think it's time that we do something, and I think my peers are are getting there. Um, the thing is, we need a supermajority to pass it, and so we've struggled with that for a long time, and so we need bipartisan support for it, and if we get that, then we'll, we'll be able to start rolling out a program um, next year, regardless of when we pass it. Um, uh, in terms of environmental issues, I think that's one place. Oh, go ahead, Evelyn. Well, I was just going to say, let's just um, pause on the behavioral health for a minute, because I think, um, mm -hmm. you know, I've talked with you before about this, but for people who haven't uh, done a lot of thinking on this, this is a way to float money out to schools, to fire districts, to police offices, to sheriff's offices. I mean, this is not just, you know, we want to have some additional clinical assistance. This is a way of really enhancing a lot of the human services that we currently provide, but make sure that the behavioral health side, the mental health side is actually funded and provided for. So, I mean, it, that tax, although it's a small tax to the individual, could really achieve some amazingly significant results in our county. 100% true. Uh, if you hear, if you ever hear uh, fire chiefs and police chiefs and the sheriff all agree on something on mm -hmm. an issue other than this, I will, I will give you, uh, you know, uh, I'll buy you lunch sometime because it's, they often don't see eye to eye on things. They all agree. We need this. And the reason is, and they'll say the same thing. You ask us to do too much. You know, it's ironic that, you know, one of the messages that we've heard from this, uh, you know, movement has been, you know, why are we having uh, police show up to, uh, places where someone's having, you know, in, just in crisis, they're not a danger. They're, they're you know, like, they need help. And uh, in those cases, law enforcement agrees. We don't want to be there. We're not the right solution to that. Uh, and because we're there, we're not out dealing with the burglary that happened or, you know, the assault case that happened or the rape case that happened. So we can reposition our law enforcement needs where they need to be and then also get help out uh, to the people in a way that would actually assist them. And then once you're dealing with the crisis, what do you do to help them heal and get back to a place where uh, they can be, you know, productive and on their own? And um, that's that's a whole different issue, you know. So we don't have long-term supportive housing. Um, that's a that's a huge need in our community. It's the reason we see an extraordinary number of people who are not just unhoused but living on the street and seemingly in some sort of distress. It's because they're either coming in and out of our jail, in and out of our uh, ER. Or, you know, for whatever reason, they can't find uh, shelter because there's just not enough. So, you know, there's a lot of places where we can apply this. And I can guarantee people one thing, the 12 bucks or so that we think this will cost the average citizen, I guarantee you 
you're paying more than that right now <laughs> because all those things cost a ton of money and you're getting worse services for it. So there's a reason that the, all, all these other counties have passed it and haven't looked back and all agree. In some cases, they like re-upped it because like Spokane, they had a sunset date on it. Um, you know, listening to a very conservative county commissioner, Al French, uh, who's a friend of mine, he's uh, on our county association uh, legislative steering committee. And so I talk with him on, he, he's just like, you're out of your mind if you don't do this, because it, this is like, this is how we prevent a lot of these other issues from becoming too much of a problem. So it's, to me, the, the case is already made. It's just a matter of getting folks that are willing to take it and citizens that stand up and say, we need this, just like we need, you know, school levies or whatever, you know, it's a, they, whatever you buy now, you're going to save money later. Mm-hmm. Well, and I stopped you and you were about to talk about some of the environmental um, mm-hmm. issues that you'd like to be able to put a little bit more energy into. So tell me about those. Yeah. So th- this has been a place where at the regional level, we've made some progress, but Pierce County's uh, kind of had a hands-off approach to environmental issues. Um, in fact, when the, uh, the, we had a budget where I didn't notice that the single uh, sustainability manager position that we had, it wasn't even a department, just one person. Um, when it was eliminated in a budget, I didn't notice it until the end and uh, kind of said, okay, we got to the very end. We're all done with our amendments. I'm going to circle back on this because I can't let this just go. Um, I had to fight to get it back in the next budget and literally threatened to vote against the budget if we didn't get there. That's unusual for local governments. Usually the budgets, by the time you get it done or are unanimous, you're never like completely thrilled with it, but um, that's the way it typically works versus the federal or state government. Um, and the, the, the long and the short of it is we've got a plan that's, uh, uh, I believe, delivered to the executive now. We either should be getting it at the very end of this year or the beginning of next, and that will list uh, a number of recommendations all across you know, water quality, uh, climate change, uh, you know, soil practices, you name it, uh, kind of all things sustainable uh, for Pierce County. And uh, we'll need to get to work on um, on implementing that. The other is Puget Sound recovery. And that's a, that's a big regional issue, but we have a local role to play here. And I don't think we're doing a good enough job there. Most of the damage we're doing to salmon uh, is from uh, uh, upland uh, water quality. It's coming from stormwater for the most part. Um, the other is uh, development of, of, of lands that are just up from tidelands doing damage. Um, you know, we need to de-armor a lot of our shoreline. Uh, only recently have we learned the science behind how much damage that was doing. All of that needs to happen here in fairly short order if we're going to have, you know, a, a living Puget Sound. You know, it's, it's very pretty to look at the water and everything. But if, if you want to still see the orcas and fish and, and seals and everything else, we got to act swiftly on it. And then finally, I would say housing is going to be at the top of the pile as well. Uh, we just adopted a regional housing strategy that I think will help, but a lot of it needs to happen at the local level. There's some implementation there, but then also on the, on the low-income housing development side, that's a place where we really haven't done much in the past. Um, and I, we have some thoughts about how we'll approach that. There are other issues, of course, but um, I think those are the big ones that uh, we'll try to tackle in short order. Mm-hmm. With those uh, efforts, I mean, other than the behavioral health tax that is a revenue increase, can you do you need new revenue to come in to do some of these things? Or do you think you can move some things around in the budget to help um, with your priorities? Some of it can be moved around. Um, you know, just as an example, um, you know, when I arrived to the council, um, our jail was running about a five and a half million dollar, uh, you know, over cost overrun every year, huge amounts of overhead, just some management adjustments there changed a bunch, but also we can press on some policy things that will reduce that, um, that overburdened jail, uh, and free up some dollars there. Um, we can then, you know, start investing more in therapeutic courts, um, you know, by adding to the bench, um, you know, there's a lot of different things that we can do just by reprioritizing a bit. Some of it will take some new revenue, and so we've been pretty uh, uh, been pretty active on pushing for uh, additional resources from the state and federal governments. Um, I told you I'm pessimistic, but that doesn't mean that I won't try. <laughs> so um, at, at some point, my members of Congress and the legislature are probably going to get sick of me. But uh, until that point, where I, I just 
we finally get a hard no, it's not going to happen. Uh, we'll start looking for something because I think, you know, the restarting our economic engines going to need to be a priority. We've been recovering, but it is, you know, I joked you know, earlier today online that our V-shaped recovery looked like it had a stroke because it just sort of petered out. Uh, yeah. If we go back into, you know, some heavy, uh, you know, either self-imposed social isolation or, or imposed by rule, you're going to see a dramatic reduction in economic activity again, uh, mm-hmm. which is why we've always warned, get control of the virus if you want to fix the economy. Um, but short of that, we're going to need to jumpstart things. So uh, what I would like to see, if, if the HEROES Act passed, which was passed by the House, it was a substantial amount of not only revenue replacement for local governments, but dollars we could put to use in some sort of like New Deal type approach. So that means, you know, expanding that youth job core, for example, uh, we could be do- getting resources out uh, for people that, you know, more, uh, you know, businesses, uh, business supports, uh, things like that. Uh, I-, I think that would be critical. And then finally, and investing in our workforce, um, that would be a huge deal uh, to make sure that, you know, this is something that uh, Larry Sequest brought up a lot during the campaign is, you know, and, until we have a, a truly skilled workforce, we're not going to attract the employers that we want to attract. Uh, mm-hmm. That's where they make their decisions on where to move. So we need to help folks build skills in order to attract the jobs to us. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Derek. I work almost up on our time limit, but tell me something else that you'd want people to know about either that's going on now or that's coming up or um, something you'd like to share. Well, uh, first of all, I want to say, make sure you get engaged with your council because um, the, the, the new group that we have coming in is going to be a majority of the council. There's four new brand new members. Um, a couple of them will be familiar to you because they've been in other office like Ryan Mello, for example, Hans Zeiger from Pjolb. Um, but uh, they'll be new to the council. And then the other two members, other than myself, have only been there for two years. So you're going to have like an almost entirely very new council. And that means they're going to be more receptive uh, to what you're looking for. Uh, they haven't been around as long. So if you want to get in early, I would encourage you to do that. Um, the next few weeks, what we'll be doing is passing our supplemental budget. I don't anticipate big adjustments other than the major one that the executive did recommend. I'm grateful for that was uh, the purchase of uh, dash and body cams for our law enforcement and uh, the positions that go along with it to monitor those records. So um, that's a big deal that, and we'll vote on the budget uh, on the 24th. Uh, he's asked for some other things and I'm a little more skeptical on some of those. And so we'll, we'll negotiate uh, there a bit. Um, and then one of the last things that we'll be doing this year um, is likely voting on uh, that behavioral health tax. I, I do think it'll come up. And so I would encourage people to begin writing in and telling your story, you know, whether it's about um, yourself, family member, neighbor, friend, loved one, everyone has a story about why this is a critical issue. And I think the more we hear from it on that human level, it gets past the politics, you know, because, you know, I hear from Republicans all the time, like, why don't you guys do this? And I'm like, well, it gets into a little bit of dogma. It's tough for them. And I get that, you know, it's just like it, it's difficult for Democrats to take certain votes too. Uh, and sometimes people talking, you know, friends talking some sense into me is what gets me to, you know, uh, the courage to push over that line, even though, you know, sometimes it's a tough vote. Um, not all these things are easy. If it was all easy, you know, we wouldn't have any arguments, but, um, you know, that helps get, give people the courage to, uh, vote on what I think their principles are. I, I, I really do think that, we've reached a point where everyone accepts that this has to happen. It's just who's going to be willing to step up and do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, you have enough people leaving the council this year that, that that might be a little bit of a help too, for those who might've previously worried about, you know, some voter discontent if they voted for it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's possible. Although, uh, you know, I will say that the, the targets that we have aren't necessarily in that same boat. Um, you know, Doug Richardson voted with us last time and he's leaving the council. Um, right. And I, I think probably leaving elected office, but he may be running for something else in the future. I don't know. But, um, but you know, council member Morrell, for example, is still going to be around and he, he'll have a reelection. Um, so, you know, we need to uh, show folks that, that That's true. this is what people in his district want. Um, 
but yeah, otherwise, uh, it's, it's going to be a brand new world and I'm excited to, to see how we do. In fact, uh, I, a lot of the things we talked about today, I should make clear, I haven't exactly cleared with my future colleagues. So, uh, this is my interpretation of what I'm hoping to get done. Uh, they may all say, no, you're, you're wrong. We're going to work on these other things. All right. Well, I think they probably will listen to you, Derek. I suspect, I suspect they're going to be paying quite a bit of attention to you. Um, so if Thank people you. do want to uh, contact their council members, especially their new ones, is email the best way to do that? Email is a good way. Um, so our, it's our name. So first name dot last name and then piercecountywa.gov. Or you can go online to the Pierce County Council page and there's a form. So like you can click on, you know, contact everyone um, and that works as well. And uh, yeah, or, you know, if especially if you have a personal relationship, I always encourage people to call uh, because a phone call can be you know, more of a conversation. Sometimes emails come off as, you know, a demand. Uh, but um, but I, I, I think, you know, a phone call does well. Uh, and often it gets it gives us a chance to explain, you know, our position. I, I spent a lot of time on the phone when the restaurant rally came up and people were wondering, why are you doing this? And having to explain, there's, there is a thought behind it, but um, things have changed. And so I do encourage people to take advantage of it, um, but please use the takeout option if it's available. Um, uh, so I think it's next week will be the last week, but um, I, I know I have definitely done more than my duty and my waistline shows it to support our restaurants and ask everyone else to. Very good. All right. Well, on that note, we'll end. Um, thank you again, Derek. I really always enjoy talking to you and I'm sure we'll be talking to you more, um, especially as the new year begins. Um, for people who are listening to this, if you have thoughts on this episode or questions, please send me an email or get in touch on social media. You can contact me uh, by email, truetacoma at gmail.com or on Twitter at true underscore Tacoma. Uh, if you have ideas for future episodes, we also always appreciate those suggestions. That's it for today. Thank you. Did you know Channel 253 is member supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. Crossing Division is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Art Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Citizen Tacoma, What Say You, and Gimme the Mic. This is Channel 253.